Welcome everyone to another week with your hosts Mordechai Weimiger and Harav Nissen. It is a great and a wonderful schuss to actually be here in the studio in person. For the last probably year and a half, two years, I've been doing it remotely from my home. And it is a pleasure to be here in person. For those of you that would like to call and ask your question, the number is 718-683-5858, and we look forward to taking your questions and your comments. So again, the number to call up is 718-683-5858. And Baruch Hashem, there are so many beautiful simchas to go ahead and share. The first simcha that I'd like to share is to my wonderful in-laws, to my wife, on the engagement of my in-laws, of their son, and of my wife's brother, my brother-in-law, Meishi Bornstein, which is beautiful, so happy he has gotten engaged to a wonderful girl from Lakewood, Gitti Noble, and a wonderful family. So Rabbi Shalem should help that they should be zeichet, to build a bias and be Yisrael, and there should be a lot of nachas. My in-laws should continue seeing nachas from this child and from all the children. And Merit Hashem to see a binyan adayad. So Baruch Hashem, there are simchas that are coming, going all over. Amen. Amen, yes. And again, the number we're going to be to share, to call up is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your questions and your comments. For those of you that would like to text till we get the caller, the number to text is 347-927-8398, And again, the number to, to call is 718-683-5858. So here we have a question from out of the country. And this is a question that was sent about an hour ago. Thank you, Rabbi Weinberger, for providing so much education and awareness for Klai Yisrael. May it be a schus for you and for your family. My husband is mainly a fire with some wind personality. Gets very excited. So for those of you who are referring to him, to the type of personality or referring to the latest book that Baruch Shem had the schus to write called Mastering Relationships. And it's based on the svarim that we have of Eish, Mayim, Ruach, and Afa and putting more of an awareness of the different natures that go with each of these elements. So now this person's writing, my husband is mainly a fire with some wind. So fire, just to get a visual, is someone that's energetic, excited, and at the same time, wind, they're the dreamers, they're the people that see the big picture. It's like higher up, and you get to see that all. So my husband is mainly a fire with some wind personality. Gets very excited in his business when it comes to striking new deals, talking to agents, or thinking of great big ideas. But every once in a while, finds himself overwhelmed or stuck in the rut with a nitty-gritty, which he hates to do, or too many late payments or angry clients because something has not been seen to on time. When he turns to me for advice, I'm not sure what to do. I don't want to... Um, I'm, whoops, I just hit the wrong button, I think either I went ahead or behind, let me just take a look, sorry people, here it is, I got it over here, and so angry, so when he turns to me for advice, I'm not sure what to do, I don't want to bust his ambition, but I feel he needs the help on the practical levels, is there anything I can do to help? Also, my husband will love my help in the business, and I am not so sure it's a good idea. What's your opinion on that? So let's go ahead and take this question and understand the theoretical approach. And again, because it's not live call-in, 
it's hard to develop it because just from your question, it sounds like one way, but it might go another way. And to remind those who would like to call, the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. So let's understand the strength of fire and of wind is exactly what you described. Your husband is someone that can get things done. He's someone that will be energized and will energize others to join along his team. The downside to, to fire and to wind is that they're, they're an ear element. They dream. They're thinking. It's not solid. And what they need is a manager, someone that will be on top of them with deadlines, someone that will do their weak points, someone that will ground them and tell them, now you must do this. And that is a very important step for your husband, let's say, to learn and to master it within himself. However, the question is, should you be the one doing it? I don't know, and I don't know how healthy it is for a wife to do the element, to do the part that's most painful for your husband. That means if his hardest part is to be on time, if his hardest part is to pay the bill on time, his hardest part is when he's dreaming and someone's got to say, stop dreaming. All your ideas will put on hold the future messages, the future goals. Right now, complete these tasks, then we'll go to the bigger level. That is extremely painful for an ear and fire element. I do not suggest that this is the wife's place to do that. So yes, he would love it because A, save money, it's a wife. B, you'll be able to do a lot of the stuff. However, for you, which seems to be more either the water and the way you're writing it, I would assume you're the water more than the earth. Because if you're earth, you go, my husband, what's wrong with him? Why can't he get himself organized? You're not doing that. You're writing it very respectfully. And you're even asking, what do I think? Only a water element would probably relate to it on that level. If you'd be wind, you would be flying with your husband. So what if people get upset? He'll make it eventually. So I would assume you're pretty much like a water element. And what your concept is, what you would like to hear, or what you should know is, that you getting involved, being the grounded person to your spouse, can be very detrimental to the marriage. Your husband might like it. Here he's got someone doing it, someone free, and someone that he might be able to sort of like push you around until you will take care of this, and why don't you take care of that? Well, the answer is because you've got already a full-time job. So that is my little suggestion for your question. But then again, all we have is the information that you are sharing as you're sharing it. The number to call up is 718 683 5858-718-683-5858. And we are going to Mrs. Z. Mrs. Z, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello? Hello. Yeah, you hear me? Yes, we hear you loud and clear. Okay, I'm calling regarding the book. I jumped aboard the book, and I really love it. Thank you. I'm up to, I'm up to water. I didn't start yet water, but I'm up to water. It's like amazing to see the fire and the wind and the... And the uh, nature's out there. Unbelievable. So I happen to have had a book special for Evnison many, many weeks, I guess, since it came out. And I never gave it to him or brought it in. And that's like one book, another book since then. So now that I am in the studio, I said, no matter what, this book, Merit Hashem, will be brought to Evnison. So now when we talk about it, he will be able to say, I know exactly what you're talking about. So thank you. We're sharing. Great. Thank you for sharing that about the book, that you love it and you're you're getting the, the natures out there. Yeah, also the introduction was very, very nice and clear. And thank you for all the, like, Rabona, what you said. Like, I was, like, amazed at every single person, what you what your praise. I was, like, amazed. Like, you praised every single person, what they said, the Rabam, and everything. It was, like, unbelievable. 
to see it, like to hit, like, to read it. That's me to read it. I was like amazed at it, and I really love it. I'm happy I bought it. Really, I didn't think maybe I should borrow it. And at the time, I bought it, and I'm very happy that I bought it. And I can always like re- repeat it again. I read it again. It's like unbelievable. Thank, Thank you. you very much. In fact, let me read to you all a little part that I wrote over here in the thank yous. One of my primary professional goals and passions is to shed light on the concept of mental health. I owe a great debt of gratitude to those who have enabled me to fulfill this goal. Thank you to, oh, I put over here Rav Nissen, they put in Nissen. Thank you to Nissen and Ilana Lazari for the whole jrootradio.com family for giving me the opportunity to reach out to a wide range of Jewish communities through the weekly programs that Nissen and I have been co-hosting for four and a half years. I also thank Aram for keeping the technical side running smoothly. Because of jrootradio.com, thousands have access to kosher music, shiurim, and informative programming. Nissen's own program, If I Can, You Can, sums up his empowering, inspiring approach to life. And that is a thank you to you, Rav Nissen, and to your wife, and for everyone over here in the jrootradiofamily.com. Thank you. Thank you, Mordechai. Yes. Thank you very much, yes. So what do we have the pleasure? It was just a thank you, just sharing how much you appreciate yeah, the book? Yeah, I just heard I didn't know who, like, what, you know, all, all, the, all the personality people have, like, all kind of personality. Now I know someone is a wind, someone is fire, and someone is, like, so I, now I know, like, what, why is people acting like this? Because they're fire. Why is people acting like this? Because they're wind. It's, like, very interesting to see now how people act because what they are. That's like, so true. Oh, like, so, like, why are people always, like, so powerful? Because they're fire. Why is people so, like, that's powerful? right. Very, like, bendable because they're, they're a wind. And it, oh, it's very strong-minded. Like, it's very interesting. It's everything, like, with how, it's, how, how all, all the four element goes. It's, like, very interesting to, to, to see it. That is exactly true. You hit it on the nail. Which means that the goal of this book is to have people understand that others act, there's natures Hashem created in the world, and we have our natures. We, Every one of us has all four within us, but sometimes we use one more than the other, or the ones that Hashem has given us. But we can now understand when others act a certain way. We're not upset at them. We don't blame them. That's their nature. And now we will learn what do we need to learn from that nature. So exactly as you said it, sometimes that, that's the message I'm getting from people that are reading the book. I'm understanding others. I'm understanding myself. I'm not blaming others now. I'm now learning how to utilize that. Yes. It's true. It's really true. Uh, even like, well, you, even you win, yeah? So yeah, you, now you know what, what you can like approve yourself more and what you're not, what's not good to be so win and what's not what's good. So even you, you see what you are, like any any element what you are, so the, oh, so this isn't even a good, the good nature, but you have to change yourself like the middle. You have to change because you're this, so let's be better. It's also for yourself what you are. Okay, so now I know I'm wind. So let's see what what not good things are wind. So now we, now I can change myself also. Yes. Excellent. Really, yeah, okay. really said well. Thank you. And I just want to yeah. remind people the number listening. The number is 718-683-5858. 683 5858 And we look forward to taking your questions or your comments. Yes. Continue. Yeah, thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for that. Yeah, okay. Mordechai. Yes. Okay, let me just uh, jump. I know that uh, in the last uh, parashot of the, the segment of the Torah, we're talking about uh, um, 
of the Kohavim, you know, and all astrology and what characteristic, and we know you're born, and in the, the, I would say that uh, in the, the Gemara, we're talking Shabbos. about Shabbos, yes. we're talking about Madim. So we, we have a lot of influence, uh, influence around us. Also, you know, the, the food that we're eating create us kind of different. That's why the, the Jewish people eating only kosher, because, you know, all, each of us is not only from folk, kind of stuff we have, we have uh, all the animals in our in our genetic code that's yes. like this but the idea and the famous story about Moshe Rabenu that uh, a king wanted to see uh, Moshe Rabenu portrait yes and he sent his best painter to paint Moshe Rabenu face and he came he painted he brought back to the this king and he said it's impossible this person is it's not human. It's not. It's not uh, characters that everybody the anav and the, it seems like he's a very proud person. It's not possible. So he sent another. Uh, you, you make mistake. He sent another painter. In the end, uh, himself he went over there and he asked Moshe Rabbeinu, "How come you, you know we we learned that you have the face? The, what do you call it? panim, the, the shape of the face, telling you the characteristic. Only big mekubalim knows about it, right? Yes." And basically, we are the Jewish people have the the option to dismantle or dis you know disconnect our nature and working about it. And we know the Saba Mikhelm said it's the only university that changing the characteristic of this is the the, the Torah Gedusha, the Musar. And this is amazing to see that uh, it's. It's, it's you give us now the awareness about it and all idea of awareness of uh, J Root Radio is to give out the option that yes we can do it we yes. can change we can understand other people we can understand even there are different ones the four of a kind you know the show of four of a kind it's only to show that we are different but we are one and this is the whole idea what is uh, behind your book and behind all this uh, J Root that's right yeah Thank you. Exactly that. And when we mention it, the natures, it's a very important part of the book, is that it's not to say this is who I am now, I'm stuck. No, we have all four natures within us, and when we use it together, we can overcome them. And that's exactly that. We can learn from Moshe Rabbeinu how to overcome all those midas that he had, and he used them for the positive. He used them for for leading Klal Yisrael. He used them. He got getting to that high madrega where the Rabbeinu Shalom would speak to him, the number again to call up is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We received a text message over here saying, Hi, my job is to have to collect money from parents. I have an issue with asking money from parents who I think don't have money because I feel bad. If that person will become uncomfortable, same is when a person falls. I would avoid the gaze at person because I don't want that person should feel uncomfortable. Is that an issue? It's a nice question. And it's I would, a tough question. <laughs> it's a tough question because I would tell you you've got the making of a therapist. The question is if your job should be collecting money. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my issue. It's, it seems like you're not a person of, of snow. Uh, yeah, or someone calling up saying, can you please donate more if you feel so bad for them? Because just to understand a large part of getting anything from someone is having that inner confidence, having that inner awareness that what I'm doing is going to benefit the other person. It's going to help the other person. And there are people that have that ability to be able to ask others and to feel comfortable, to feel they're doing a great job. So imagine you can call up, call someone up and say, hi, I'm calling from this school. Is it possible for you 
to be strong. There's a possible for you to donate more, to help more. And there are people that might even be a chayvis, but for their school, they'll do it with pleasure. But if you, in your mind, you're already sure that this person will not be able to help, that this person is so hard and so tough for them, then when you're ready to go, hello, can you please help? Is there anything you can do? Then automatically you're going to be asking in a way that it's almost guaranteed that you're not going to get the money. So a large part of asking and getting is the way you ask. So if it would be, hi, do you want to have part of the schus of helping? There's more likely if you go, I know it's so hard on you. I'm assuming it's now the end of the year and you're probably in chayvis. I'm assuming this not automatically your words and your phrasing will make a big difference. So what I would say is you're an amazing person. Your schus and all the help that you help people are great. And you need to evaluate and see if that's the right field where you should be going into. Again, the number... What do you say, Rabbison? Okay. No, I, I just I, I feel I feel the I feel the pain of this uh, question. That's right. I, that's, I feel the. I'll share with you that I had a hard time I, with I, that. I think it's a it's a very tough job. I that's don't right. think that uh, we can. I, I cannot definitely. I can't. I, I had can, to hire I a manager for that. I pay a manager uh, every week because if someone can't afford to pay, or someone has a hard time, or their their balance builds up. I have a hard time telling them, no, every one of the therapists I work with together, I look for people that would have a hard time that we have that soft heart. Not saying that the other ones aren't, but that's more the energy of Afar, grounded, solid. They know that's what it is. It's a Kaya Hashem put in the world. I don't have that much of that. Yes. Uh, just we lost uh, Mrs. L. If you can call us back, Mrs. L. Mrs. L, again, yes. the number to call uh, up. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. I think she's right now. So let's see. Hello, Mrs. L. Hi. Hi. Yes, hi. You're on with Mordechai and her of Nissen. Hello. Okay. So. Hello. Yes, hello, you're on. Yeah, I'm so sorry, I got disconnected. Um, sure. Okay, first of all, I enjoy your line very much. Thank you. Um, I have a different question. Um, I'm not sure really if it's in the mental health field, but I think it is related. Um, I wonder what your take is on the idea. It's, it became like very accepted nowadays to send out children at the age of like 18 months to a regular school setting, like the playgroup or... I don't have opinion. Look how the kid is doing. No, just the opposite. Like I um, appreciate the idea of leaving a child home, and but nowadays it became like if you have a child of eighteen months home, it's like a whole big deal, and um, you don't feel like it's um, the way it's supposed to be. Like um, again, you're asking me. Watch my answer. My answer is what's happening with the kids. Uh huh. But if the child is happy, then the answer is um, then the kid's okay. Uh huh. If the child isn't, the child isn't. There's Let's take a let's take a more controversial question. What do I think about parents going to work when they have a six week old baby? Uh-huh. I hear that. I think it's is probably on the same field, but uh... that's I think a lot a lot more critical of a, having a parent till eighteen months rather than a, when a child is six weeks old. The answer is you sometimes do what you got to do, and if you feel your kid needs it, then you keep them home. If you feel the kid does not, you know, can handle it, then you do it that way. And you deal with the social pressures. Remember, the world will have opinions about everything. And Mm -hmm. our job is to find the balance between fitting into the world and at the same time having our own opinion. I hear. Well, what do you think to that? What's your opinion about it? 
I feel like the ideal is always for an 18-month-old to be next to the mother. I mean, if possible, of course, there Good. are Let's, um, Let me ask you, till what age? Let me ask you, till what age? Um, I think close to three is the regulator, unless, let's say, the mother works. There are always exceptions to the rule, or there are some kids who have a very hard time being home, even if they're younger. Very active kids, or but in general, like for the norm to be for 18 months old to be in a regular school setting, right. I think it's like a bit overdone. Uh, that's what I feel like. So I can tell you that with one of my kids, actually my youngest kid, I think we also sent her at about 12, at about 18 months old to like a play group. It's not a school setting, but it is, you know, you go yeah, to. Yeah, but it's very much like in a regular, like there's like. That's it's not right. like a babysitting service. or um, Right. So this is where all they do all day is just play, sing, and dance. And yeah, they have to learn a little to share, but they have a great time. And the way you see that it's okay is you see the kid after four days is going with a smile. And right. when you check in, you see the smile when they're there with kids. Right. So if you see the kid is happy and the kid is adjusted and the kid is doing great, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> right. So it's, And some kids feel they need more time. They need to be around the mother more. And if that's what's needed, then that's what's needed. So just like there are parents that are working and they send a kid to playgroup or, or even a babysitting service after six weeks, and then there are some kids that need more, and then the parent says, I couldn't leave this kid, and I left the job, and the father had to now bring in more money on his own, or they had less, but it's about taking care of the kids. So it's about what the kids need. And also when you say school setting, we also need to realize what type of place it is. Some places they send to a school. Some places... Yeah, but could... there's a lot of disciplining. It's never like just being... So a... that's where you need to find out how many kids yeah. are there. How disciplined is it? There are also different mowers. You do your research. There are probably 50 such places, and you have those options. You can take a look. What's going on? Okay. I yeah. hear. Okay. I appreciate your share on the topic. Sure. Thank uh, you. Thank you yes. so much. Okay. We're talking about uh, also skill of uh, work, working with other kids. Yeah. and uh, working with uh, discipline yeah because uh, we know that uh, about 2 years if this is the, the i would say very crucial crucial to to a kid to understand what is uh, discipline and when you don't have this you grow the kids in a different level i think that it will be a big issue when it, uh, adults to get, I think uh, that it's very important that kids. Well, you think it's healthy at this age to be I disappointed? Th- I think. I think it's look as as Mordechai, as Mordechai said that it's very important to know where you're sending. Definitely, you don't send it yes. to a military school uh, when you're two years old. But I definitely, I would, I would, I would say that it's it's very. Just uh, in general, uh, I think it's amazing for a child this age to be home with a mother, if possible. It's, it's uh, the question if it's for, good for the mother or the child. This is my no, question. No, just for the child. Is, like uh, it became I, such a normal, my, accepted thing to send my, out a child of 18 months. I, uh, my question okay. like this: How, how you? Uh, what is what is the surrounding? If it's a single boy, a single kids, or is as a brother and sister, he can cooperate with other other, or just is his his mother all day and puchi muchi all this kind of. The, uh, uh, no, uh, I personally am very much a fan for leaving a child home for as long as possible. But I just wanted to hear like what he has to say to this. Yeah, like to so send the really, children very early. Like, yeah. But whatever. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. And the number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And we look forward to taking your questions or your comments. 
We got over here a question. It's a pretty strong one, Rebnison. And it's like this. I appreciate your program, exclamation mark. I missed it when it wasn't on last week, but we did it a different day. I have a lot going on in my life, but I agreed to try therapy, which in itself was a major struggle. The clinic I went to took a while, a little over a month, to find a therapist first to do an intake. Now, after the intake, I have to wait three weeks for a therapist because I'm the one who did, because the one who did the intake wasn't emotionally in tuned enough for me. And now in caps locks, I'm not managing. Everything is a struggle. I'm trying so hard to grow. I don't know what to do, but I can't wait another three weeks until they find me a therapist. Wow. And that is a tough question. Revenison, what do you say to this? Where this person is saying they finally going to a therapist and now they're in pain. They can't wait. It took them three weeks to someone to do an intake, someone to speak to them. And now they need to wait three more weeks to a therapist they can't manage. I made a face. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely agree with your theory about learning patience. Sort of says we can't hear. We got a message. They don't hear you. Oh, okay, okay. So this, you didn't. <laughs> okay, oh. okay. So I was in the phone. I didn't. Okay. So oh. good, good. Nobody. Added. Okay. All right. So Ravnison <laughs> was. Yeah. In the recording, you're on. Yeah, I'm now on. I'm on. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. He did great. Let me tell you what I'm thinking from a clinical level. Like diagnosis start going through my head or different issues that could stop being. So, you know, let's go to Mrs. P, and then we are going to go back to your question and some thoughts that I've got. Mrs. P, you're on with Mordechai and her Nissen. Yeah, Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, I want to know, I live in, a, like, a very nice home block with a lot of kids, and for some reason my kids, like, they never play with the other neighbors. I see other neighbors, like, going in and out of each other's houses and just, like, playing with each other, and they just, like, all stick around me. They don't really play with the other kids. So let me understand, your question is that your kids do not play with other kids? Right. They don't. There's, there's a bunch of kids their age on the block. What age are we talking all, about? What age are your kids? Um, like six. Well, this is six, and then a four-year-old. Okay. So you have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. We generally try not to take questions under the age of eight, but we'll do. we'll deal with yours because of the... Because I like I like live callers, so you have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and somehow they're not playing with a neighbor's kids like other neighbors' kids are doing, right? Right. They'll just sit sit next to me and just sit around. Now me. let me ask you: yeah. What can you do to get your kids to participate with other kids? What can you do? I don't know. I tell them. I no, tell no, 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 no,
to get other kids to participate with your words, with your kids. And I don't want the words telling. You do not need to say a thing. What actions can you do to get your kids to play with others? So, A, what can you do that others should play with your kids and what can you do for others? So, telling them didn't work. What else? Give me some more some more suggestions. Um, maybe I myself could be more involved with the other ladies. Like, maybe I'm also not so, like, involved with the other ladies. Ah, maybe so it's just... possible that if you're not involved with other ladies, then what will happen? How will you being involved with other ladies would help your kids? Explain it to me. Let's Let's develop the theory. It's a great idea. As we always share, that's why I always say we don't take the questions under the age of eight because it's usually a how-to question. And many times it's about the parents developing themselves. So let's go ahead. Let's assume you would be more interactive with the other women. What would happen then? Um, number one, I guess they would see me and they would learn how to do it with kids their age. Great. Excellent. Um, so they will maybe see you. Just I'm around. The kids are usually around next to their mothers. So they're next to me and I'm next to all the other ladies. Eventually, they were. Excellent. That's exactly a great second point. So you'll be around the women. Their women, those women have their kids around them. Your kids will be around. Automatically, they're going to be playing. Exactly. That's the second idea. What's a third one? What else would benefit if you would be around other women? How would it help your kids? Good. So far, you're two for two. I don't know. Those are the two points. Okay. Let's just continue with this. How about when you're around those women, you could even tell them, why don't I take your kids over to my house a little or I, or you take my kids over to yours? So even if you're not around them, but if you interact with them, you just tell them come over, which is very normal. I hear many times sometimes, let's say one woman will tell the other one, oh, my kid is acting so crazy. Bring your kid over because they're on the phone. You hear the kid crying in the background. Two kids go, oh, your kid's bored, my kid's bored, bring them over. So when they're talking on the phone, especially if it's bungalow colony or if it's summertime when everyone's outside or two women are outside you're wait- while you're waiting for the kids to come from school or in or out, while you're interacting, there's more chances to have the kids interact. So do you see how by you, just you changing, not your kids, what do you see being able to change now by your, by your children? I guess if I change, they'll automatically learn how to do it themselves. I don't know, just by seeing me. Uh, let me ask a question. Uh, as, as, a, as a mother, do you, all, you tell kids, beware, uh, uh, be careful what you don't, don't step on this, go to ear? Uh, is you a very, very controlled mother? Uh, no, I'm not really. I'm more like attached to my kids. When they're babies, they're always with me. But not so controlling. I'm pretty free with what I let them do. I'm more like attached to them, especially as babies. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, do you feel safer when you have babies? This way you feel safe that someone needs you. You're important. You have what to do. Um, do I feel I, I don't know why I do it. It could be. No, no. I'm just asking. Know. Think about it. When you're not around your kids, do you feel like empty? Or when you have the kids around you, now you're busy? No, it's just to, just to get feel- the... Mm-hmm. Well, I feel nervous. If my babies are not with me, I'm very scared. Like, I have to know everything. Right, right. So, generally, so just to share with you a concept, there's a concept called emptiness syndrome. That's when people, adults, when they marry off their youngest child or when the kids are mostly married and the kids are in yeshiva, they're not around. And also, they're feeling, what's my purpose? What do I do? So, it's imp- these are different things that can work around. Or let's say if someone has a little nervousness, as you're saying, so they're so clinging to their friend or they don't feel safe being around other women because they might say things, they might attack them, they might reject them. They might say today, hi, and tomorrow, no. 
So each of these different emotions that could be going on will then prevent you from interacting with other women, which will then have your kids be more clingy, feel more sometimes the fear or the concern. And it can unfortunately have that they won't develop, that they won't interact or learn how to interact. The social skills. And I would say that somehow you're radiant to your kids, this kind of feeling. Right. So there's a cute story I share many times because that's like that one story that stayed in my mind. And that was during the, during the sphere time. And it was during spheres, so the women don't know, but usually in shul, in the bigger shuls where they have like a lot of minyanim or even just a shul, they have a big sphere sign where you say the L'Shem Yichud, and then you say the Bracha Baruch Hashem al sphere. So amen, then you say the Yoim, Hai Yoim, whatever day it is. So in the shuls, they have this big sign, and every day someone has to get up and turn it. So it's like one of those round paper, like, you know, sort of where you turn every day the knob and this way you turn it so today is the four, first day second day third day fifth day of sphere going all the way up so there's a cute story i'm davening once and this is the example that maybe can help you get an image of visualization to yourself and that is a father and a son both finished my nesray and it's still quiet and the father like nudges the son like a little hand like pointing up with his head because they're not talking like to change the, the sphere of time of the date. The son looks at the father, smiles, and shakes his head no. Then the son pushes the father's hand gently and like looks up like, Ta, why don't you change it? And the father shakes his head no and smiles. The son says no. Then the father pushes the son back like you go, and the son smiles no. And they both like push and nothing. And just then, as I'm watching it, a guy finishes Shmei gets up on a chair, turns the yoyim, turns it to the next day, and I see how both father and son just look at each other and smile. There's an automatic father saying, I don't feel comfortable, but you, son, you be confident. The son saying, okay, Ty, you do it, you be confident. The father saying, I can. And then there's another kid, which the father finishes Shmoy doesn't even think a second about it, gets up, changes the date. What modeling now do you think the first father model to the kid and probably why this kid was afraid. And what modeling do you think the second did the second father gave to his son without him even thinking? What lessons do you think both kids got? Can you share that? Yeah, the first um, the first father taught his kid not to be confident and that it's scary to do it. Um, and the second one just taught his kid how to be confident without even saying anything he didn't even tell his son anything you just saw him getting up on a chair changing it body language inner confidence inner stuff doing it i'm sure if that second son pretty sure if that second son would nudge if that second father would tell the son do it i'm sure that son will be able to do it in a second excellent there's also personalities that people are born with some people are less social and some are more so as yep. much as you show your kids, some are just going to be less social. And so let me ask you, not. let's assume you're less social than that person that's natural. So let's say that guy from a 1 to a 10 is a 10, and you, let's say, have it a 2. What level do you think you can develop it? Now that we blame nature and Hashem on everything, now, what can you do to develop? Because we're beautiful on this world. As Rav Nesson shared about the story of Moshe Rabbeinu, we can change our natures. So what level do you think you can build yourself up to? Maybe a five. Good. So from a two to a five, what do you think will change in your life if you would be a five? And what modeling would you give your kids if you're just a five? Right. So 
change in my life, like for myself, I don't, I'm very busy. I don't feel like I necessarily need you. Socially, we're referring to socially. We're not talking about how you keep yourself busy. You can be very busy cooking for High Lifeline. You could be very busy going to the Berkha Chaylums. You can do all that. We're asking socially, how what would change in your life if you're more social? What would change? I would be more confident, more healthy, more confident with myself. And then what will happen to your children when you'll be more social and more confident with yourself? I guess they'll learn how to be more social also, and they'll be happier. And they'll be more confident. Now let me ask you a question. When you get to a five of your confidence and being social, do you think it might graze to a higher level once you feel, hey, this is easy? This is okay. It's hard if it will really be easy. I don't know. Well, what do you think a five looks like? Ravnison, what do you say to all this? I, I want to say that, uh, first of all, uh, it's, it's not about personality, it's about you kids also. It's something that you build your kids. And you have to consider that you, cha- you have to change yourself for your benefit of your kids. It's not something that you just take, oh, I'm very busy now, I'm going to a high lifeline, or I'm just um, uh, giving a, a, for the gamach uh, clothing and all this stuff. Right. It's, it's right. not so this. I have to work so hard and change myself, even though I don't feel like I have yeah. to now, and I know it will be very hard. Just so my kids should also be social. Like basically, I'm just doing it for my kids. Uh, that's that's the, that's the idea. That basically we're changing ourselves for benefit of our children, and basi- basically you get the benefits yourself later. You feel the differences that what is to get involved with the society and give the skills for your kids to get uh, with the with the other. You know, because they, your kids didn't born without uh, with, with with the skills that you have. Or non-skill that you have. Excellent. Thank you. We are going to... Uh, I appreciate your call, by the way. All right? Thank you. Thank sure, you. you're we, welcome. Okay, we, we, Keep on growing. We, we go to Mrs. Uh, R. Mrs. R, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello, Mrs. Hello. R. Hello. Yes. Yes. Hi, um, I just wanted to ask the, what the lady spoke about the play group, sending out a child to play group. Please go right ahead because we also got a message all the way um, from England regarding that. So we're going to read that I as know, well. So on, on a different note a little, I'm a, I'm a teacher for young kids for many, many years. <coughs> and um, you spoke once about it. Now that the school year is almost starting, I wanted to mention it again. Um, when mothers drop off their kids with confidence, it makes such, such, such a difference on the kids. You manage see the difference, like a child that comes in with a confident mother, those kids don't cry, those kids play with other kids, they have no time, like no problem socializing. The, the kids or the mothers come in like, are they going to be okay? Are they going to eat? Are they going to sleep? And such kids cry and cry and cry. So let me take your words and rephrase them. You are saying children, young children, you can see a direct connection of the mother's confidence, the mother's social abilities, and to those that are confident and successful, to those mothers that are weak, those mothers that are afraid, those mothers that might have social issues, that you see their children having those difficulties as well. I, I, I for sure, for sure, see a difference. Yes. It's amazing how to see, like, these confident mothers, these kids don't, these kids just don't cry in play group, let's say, or in nursery. And the other kids just could cry up till Hanukkah time even. Yes. At once. You know, the Thank you. Busy. Are they going to be a failing? Are they going to be okay? And these kids just cry and cry. Thank you. 
thank you for that comment. Listen. Yes. Yeah, I, I tell you that uh, when we and when we are putting our children, you know, along many years ago to the uh, kindergarten to the nursery, you know, so I saw the difference between parents that hesitate to give the, the child to the nursery. And standing in the door, back and forth, and then the child feel it. Basically, it get the hour radiant or a feeling, and he start crying, and the parents go back and forth. If you are assertive and you know this is good for my kids, definitely you check where you put your ticket, what kind of gun in it, what is more you have. But uh, the idea that you give a child an option to basically facing a new reality and a new lifestyle. And skills that, you know, people don't, don't understand. It's very important, the skills, social skills, to, to face good and bad together, you know. And discipline is an, number one, I would say. The, yeah. the problem, problem that we have now with the teenagers, I think that it's missing of discipline in the parents. It's okay, it will be okay, it will be okay, it will be okay. He grew up, you know, we spoke about it a few, few weeks ago about a, a person that was... Teenage problem, and they married, and a marriage problem, and that's everybody just trying to uh, shovel under the carpet these uh, issues. And it's very important that the parents understand that it's they basically. There's teaching. a lot yes. that us parents can do. Yes, I would just even add on to this. I was involved in a case where a 14-year-old bacher was making his mother's life miserable. He doesn't want to go to yeshiva. He hates yeshiva. And he would come home saying, I didn't have a good moment in my life. And this was going on for about the first three weeks of yeshiva. So I told the mother, can you just call the yeshiva, Rebbe, find out? The Rebbe says, I don't know what you're talking about. Your son comes to yeshiva on time, happy, smiling, gets along with everyone. The mother thought it was crazy. Today's yeshivas, there are cameras all over. They had the mother come to yeshiva, check out the cameras, see what it looks like. And she sees her son is smiling, playing, having a great time. And he doesn't do this with the father. He doesn't do this with anyone else, just with the mother. And that was a large part of what we were mentioning in the mother's therapy is we got to work on your inner confidence. We got to work on your safety and your security. You got to learn how to get the confidence when your kid says has a hard time. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. I'll speak to your Rebbe together with you. There's so much that we can do. But at the same time, what we're going to recognizes going back to what that mother said about kids being home till three years old this is someone from the other country saying i think the woman who called before deserves to be commended thanked a woman who actually enjoys her kids at home and i definitely agree with that that today's days a lot of women are not feeling accomplished in being a mother it's sort of like what's the strength i'm a mother for an example, the intake when I ask sometimes men, not sometimes I ask, do you work? So this is to men, what do you do for a living? And for a mother, when I got to ask, do you work? I don't want to say do you work as if being a mother isn't a job. My, what I ask is, besides for being a mother, do you also do things on the side like working or volunteering? Because the concept is like when two women work, so what do you do? Being a mother isn't enough. Being a mother is the only job that matters. Being a father, we've got to bring we've got to bring in the Yiddishkeit and the Parnasa. A mother's job is bringing in the love in the house. That is the job. Anything else? If you're a teacher, an educator, if you're volunteering, those aren't your jobs. Those are your extras. Your job, and we need to reinstill that and hear that. So here, what this person's continuing saying is, I also feel that we live in a pretty selfish generation where mothers leave their kids so they could spend time at the mall or on fancy vacations and have lost a lot of their maternal instincts. 
The home setting could be very stimulating and educational experience providing the mothers capable of being there for the kids. I did send my kids to playgroup because I it was better for me and I work. But in the ideal world, I think it would be amazing for babies to have more time at home and they have no problem integrating into society later on in life. But it's only my humble opinion. Thank you so much. And I agree with your opinion. I think it would be beautiful if the whole world, if mothers would be home and we would be able to do that. I definitely think it's nice to be home. But if society is doing that or if those places are doing it, the issue of sending kids or how the kids are, and that's why I said is how does your kid react? Good. Great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience as a playgroup teacher and sharing that it's about how much the parents, the confidence of the parents has we'll, a big deal. We'll go to Mrs. E. Okay. okay. Yes. Great. We are going to Mrs. E. You're on with Mordechai and Herav Nissen. Hello? Yes, hello. Oh, you hear me clearly? Baruch Hashem, loud and clear. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to thank you very much for your book, The Masculine Relationship. You're so welcome. Yeah, I want to tell you that it was interesting because I read Miriam Manhattan's book, Awareness. I think I read it three times. I almost know it like I know the palm of my hand. Yes, Miriam Hanahan's book. It was written 20-something yeah. years ago, and right. it was revised three times. And it's a right. beautiful book by Dr. Miriam Hanahan. Yes. Yeah. So I thought, if I know this book, why do I need to buy your book? Yes. <laughs> I want to tell you that even if I know that book so well, I even read the research book, your book was still amazing. So I think that's really something. Thank you. That is so nice to hear. So now to all those of you that think that competition, you can't enjoy both, competition helps bring out. I've mentioned her book many, many times. I don't know how many people have never heard her book. But she wrote it 20-something years ago, and so many rebellions, so many teenagers, and as I even shared, part of my inspiration to write this book came from her. My teenage daughter, Shira, 15 and a half years old, read her book when I was asking her two years ago, two and a half years ago, I started writing a book, what book should I go? She says, I really like her book, but do you think you could write it differently? Like, I'd like it a little different. And I go, sure. So I was debating between two books, and her book even inspired me to write my book. So, yes, I'm so glad to know that you know her book inside out. And you value that book, and you also value my book. So thank you. Very, very much. I really value it very much. I read it from cover to cover. And there is just a different angle and a simpler... Like awareness might be a little heavy on some people. Yes. It's extremely detailed. Yes, awareness is very detailed. Yeah, which I like. And I'm telling you, it. I still enjoyed your book immensely. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we just need to realize the book was written 20-something years ago. I think it was 23 years ago. So this is just an updated written for today's generation. It's different. That's nine Enneagrams. One little thing that I had to make a change just because of my brain, I don't remember numbers. In fact, it's so funny, but someone asked me the first book that I wrote, Alive, A 10-Step Guide to a Vibrant Life. We originally had 10 chapters, and it was the first 10 chapters. Then, sorry, first three, then whatever, then we added on the 10. And then the last minute art scroll made me change it that the first 10 chapters till today, I do not know the, the chapters of my own book. I don't know numbers. And I said, if I'm writing four natures, I won't remember what nature one is, what nature two is, what nature three is. Right now in this book, I don't know which nature I wrote first, but I could picture I'm a visual person. So when I picture fire, I know exactly what fire is. And I know what I wrote about fire. And I even know which people I thought about fire when I wrote it because I needed to have a visual of a person. When I think of water, I think of the person. 
When I think of earth, I think of the person. So the first thing that I told my daughter, if I'm going to be writing a book on natures, I can't have numbers. What nature one, two, three, and six is divided into six A and six B. I could not remember that. I need nature. So again, that book was written and it's a great, fantastic book. What we say, That's right. So thank you. I appreciate that. So I've written the book based to my understanding and to the way I can do it. And again, I thank Dr. Adhan for having so many amazing books. She probably has 20 books out there off the charts, what she has done for Claudius Roll in writing and in working with people. And she's also made her own method in therapy that, that a lot of people use in, in life coaching. She's an amazing person. She's done so much for Claudius Roll. Thank you for that. And for those listening, the name of the book is called Mastering Relationships. Yeah, four elements of connecting with anyone. For those that like to call the number, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. go to Mrs. P. Mrs. P, you're on with Mordechai and her of Nissen. Hi, hello, is that me? Yes. yes. Okay, so um, I want to add to the awareness of um, the subject that was re- recently on about daughters cutting off from their parents. Ooh, we're going so back to that I one. Know, okay, yeah, I, I wish you would wanna... call up at the beginning of the program about this. Good, let's see if we can... Yeah, I'm just going to try to call to cool it over the subject, and um, I hope I'm going to be clear and not um, come out like with a mixed message. So what I want to say is that someone I know very close to me had gone through such a process with very, very big success. And I witnessed it firsthand. And there's two points that I would like to bring out. One is to to defend the therapist. And the other is that everybody should know that 80% of hard-working clients, people who went through the hell of a life, have healthy boundaries with their parents only because they went for professional help. And they are out there, you don't know them, and they are working very hard for their own relationship with their spouses, with their children, and they still and they still hold on a very, very um, good relationship with their parents. So what I want to say is, let's say in this case, the client had a therapist that demanded that she should keep on the relationship. And the first thing was that the client reduced the connection to like once a week phone call which is also very painful for the parents and the family, but it's not cutting off. And every time the client would say to the therapist that, um, oh, it's a cut away coming up and I feel like I can't go and I'm so tired and I don't want to meet the family, the therapist would very clearly make it, say it, that even though you feel that way, you have to go. Like this is something that is not going to help the person heal if they are stuck. Um, connecting to the family. Wow! It's saying that um, it's saying that they have to learn to um, to go through and and endure. But when they have when a client knows that they are safe with a once a week, let's say phone call, no matter what, and even the mother will call twenty five times a day, or the, the, she will get messages that she's causing a heart attack or whatever. She knows that she has this. Um, um, consistent connection, and then she can work on the painful things to go to weddings, to come to symptoms, and to do all these things. Now, um, the subject usually needs like a separate line because it's huge, and I heard a lot of it, and I read a lot of it, but 
um, what I want to say also is that therapists need to keep their clients physically safe, and they have to do certain things that the client should be physically safe. But when it comes to emotionally safe, because of parents or whatever, they do everything, everything they can to maintain a healthy relationship and not cut off. The experience also what people have in the world is that cutting off, even in the Croatia world, that cutting off from the parents, what happens is the client cannot heal. She can't work in the therapist's office because she has something in herself that she cut off from herself because she cut off from the parents. You've said it so well. Let me just clarify what you're saying. In theory, there's there's in the theoretical approach from psychology or of this, and we discuss this all the time, that's the attachment theory. You need to stay connected to heal through it. If you disconnect, if a person has, let's say, nerves on the hand or, or nerve feelings and they burn, they're in pain, and but it's a good thing to be in pain because that means the nerves are connected. Now, if someone has damaged nerves and they don't feel anything, you can't work on it. Yes, feeling the pain is part of what we push in therapy, not to feel extreme pain, but to feel the pain, to learn self-soothing techniques, to learn self-healing techniques, to learn how to protect yourself, how to connect, when to connect less, when to protect yourself, when to hear, when not to hear. Each of these are major skills that the therapist needs the client attached, connected to that, whoever it should be, and to learn the safety tools to get out of it. You've you've said it so well. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so with this, with this client, after like two, three years of really suffering through the, this um, consistent connection, she has a great relationship with her mother, not a good relationship, but a healthy. So, of course, it's not going back to very good, but eventually she has a better respect to her mother than other siblings that don't have the strength to make boundaries. And let's clarify, so, I really want to clarify, because I want to take your words and people listening should not misconstrue yeah. the words. When we say a better relationship, what we're referring to means that the mother might still kvetch, might still cry, might still manipulate others. They just won't do it to this kid. Because mm-hmm. people, when they exactly. have personality disorders, they know their gavul. They know if I do this, I lose it because that child has consistently proven to protect herself and personality disorders want to remain connected. They only disconnect and act extreme when they know they can get away with it. But if they see the person's consistent, it might take two years of the person being consistent and them doing everything they can and they know with this person, I cannot play the game. So when you see a good relationship, it means this child probably still has the warning signs up and every time that parent, that personality disorder parent acts up, they already have to reestablish the link or the the boundary or the safety tools. And once that parent gets the warning, oh, okay, now they behave healthy again or back as they act to the outside world. So remember, many times personality disorders to the outside world, they're amazing. It's just to the inside where they can get away with a lot of stuff, unfortunately, or their pain is where they share their pain. So can you just explain that, that when you're saying they have a healthy relationship with that parent, it means their guard is still up, and if the parent crosses certain boundaries, they will then create the healthy boundary? Yeah, so then when that client um, specifically would feel like, okay, like everything is going so well, so why shouldn't I call every day, say good morning, like all the other um, family members, um, and then the, the mother who was used already to the boundaries got confused. So everything would fall back, and then she would learn to do that again, like to stay, stay on the path of being healthy. And people should know that these clients are full of pain as much or more than the parents are. They don't want to do that. 
they are the black sheep of the family when really they have to hold on for their life to hold on their own home with their children and their kids. And this relationship that is getting very safe and like not connected too much to the parents is helping them build their own home. And eventually what happens, let's say here, is that the parent feels that this daughter respects her even more than other um, kids who are who fear the abusive parents, who fear and who are not really honest and are not really saying the truth. And somebody who goes to therapy learns so much and everything, like everybody should know that if these 80%, let's say, or more people are struggling and they went through so much pain in their life, if they can master this relationship, then anybody should please everybody work on their relationship with anybody, not only with a parent, because it's really possible and it's hard, it's very, very hard, and a lot of pain going through and a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of things because it's not about the time now. So, um, Mr. Wormgood, I'm not sure if I finished it well, but basically I, I wanted to bring out, like, about this. People should know that it's not so, it's not everybody who cuts off. These cases who cut off is probably, like, the one that are not severe, but severe times 10. And um, we can't judge them. These people went through a lot of pain, and but you should know that a lot of people work very, very hard to maintain the relationship and not to cut off. Thank you. Rav Nissen, what do you want to say about this? I know nothing to add on it. You know, we talk so many times about it, and it really has to be mastering the relationship with your parents and kids, and it's very important, very important, and especially when you have the, what do you call it, BBT, all these terms. Uh, and we, we, we know we get many, many phone calls about it, and it's very important to... Just to be assertive and to be to knows what, what you're facing. Or you know, we we had we had a, a person that called us, and she never she never she never knew how to connect with her mother. And every time, just to get the negative, and slowly, slowly, she she realized that it's not the way to to. And I got a phone call last week, and she said it was a great conversation with her mother, and it's working. So. It's, it's something that they really have to, to learn after this. And the parents have to know that it's... Uh, I don't know, the, the person by outside, I don't know, the parents or the child or this, has to know that it cannot play a bulliness and uh, personality disorder. It's, it's something that have to work about it. Thank you. Thank you for your message. Greatly appreciate it. Okay, so we'll go yes. now. Okay, so we have right now uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. G. Mrs. G, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello. Mrs. G. One second. All right. Hello? hello? Yes. yes, hello. Okay, do you hear me? Yes. Okay, I wanted to share something about the playgroup, sending your kids to the playgroup. Yeah. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Uh, okay, I wasn't sure. Okay, so I wanted to share my experience that it really depends on the kids, and sometimes it could be a big benefit for the mother and the kid to send the kid to a to a warm daycare. Um, you should always send to a warm daycare. Yeah, of course, but still, uh, yeah, that's number one. But the second part, that if it is a very active kid that doesn't nap uh, like normally, and the mother has a big family, it could be a benefit. The mother has a little space in the morning, uh, 
not to go in the mall just to to have her time and then be a good mother to the kid that she to the other kid and to that kid that really enjoys the daycare if it's an active lively kid I'll tell you, I agree with everything. I'll just tell you a little bit of what my issue is. What do you think will be my issue with what you said? Okay, there's no okay, there's no uh, rules. Everyone, it's more that everyone should do what they feel is good for their kids. Well, it's and, it's and important themselves. for a mother to have the space and to breathe. I agree with you a thousand percent. But it's also the mother's job to get the skills or how do you deal with an active kid? And it could be sending away two, three hours. But what are the skills that the mother's going to do when the kid's home? If she's overwhelmed and yeah. a lot of stuff like that, there needs to be, I don't want to get now into the controversial, there's a lot of Rabbanim we need to ask about with Siat Tushmai when Hashem sends us kids. If we're overwhelmed, and I don't want to go down that yeah. path, we need to be speaking to Rabbanim. I am involved with many cases where Rabbanim are saying, let's not daven to have kids. For those of you that understand what I'm saying, yeah. And they're doing okay, it I'm anyhow. Not... It's I agree, parents, mothers should have space. They have to have space. But at the same time, there's got to be a lot to it. Work with the Rabbanim. Work uh, with it. Yeah, I see. But I'm talking from the kid's um, point of view. So let's say it, it, the mother has a one, like an only child. She's okay. But if it's in the winter, it's a long day, and the kid is bored. They have no brothers and sisters. And as much as the the mother plays with the kid, the kid loves company. And the very kid, well uh, said. The, yes. The kid comes home like a different kid from this few hours. It's not a school setting. That's they true. Have... I agree with that a thousand percent. There are children that are very outgoing, that like to be busy, and the mother just one on one with the mother, and they still have the mother after that the whole time. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes the mother is even more excited after that. Yes. And the kid agreed. Agreed. I'm Thank you. That there is both sides of the... Thank you very much for that opinion. I agree, Rav Nissen. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, I, you know, I see from, the, for example, the Chiloni side, you know, the not religious guy, that many times the parents, the, the mother giving the kids the TV, and he put, she put him uh, or her in front of that screen. It's, and I felt, you know, I see my customers, I said that this is a, the raising a zombie kids. You know, basically, the kids and the screen, and try to Try to shut off the screen. Try to take him from it. It's impossible. And really, this is so upsetting to see that it's uh, the cheapest babysitter, the cheapest garden, but uh, kindergarten. But this is something that uh, kids has to be- learn skills, social skills. It's that's why now, right now, we uh, we are in the I generation. I, 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 and not we, we, we. It is, it is something that you have to work about it. It's yes. very important. Yeah, and sometimes if the mother is not, like she thinks she's the best mother, she has her kids at home, and she's the whole day, the kid is just clinging to her and crutchy. And That's right. And if the kid is in a daycare, at least they have activity and That's they right. learn to share. I'm just... <laughs> That's right. I appreciate your opinion. Thank you, and I value okay. that. I agree. Yeah. Okay, uh, yes. just one more uh, point yes. that I hear from like a, a teacher that... Like that has uh, like the pre-nursery schools that they see a big difference on kids that come from a play group. They're more like following the rules and they're and they're more like they know how to share and how to okay great. Better. I'm just saying yes. I, okay there's yes there and is, at the same time <laughs> exactly I agree it depends on yeah. the kids it, also it depends the... on yeah and I did see a big difference in different kids some kids are are. 
are more relaxed and some kids are right it all depends on the kid depends on the mother depends on the situation but let's not also forget the importance of kids having the parents. Yeah. That's yeah, and I'm not talking about the, the, the nine right. months old. I'm talking about older. That's toddlers. right. Like We're talking about eighteen months old and things like months, that. Twenty two months. And, oh. Right. Yes. Very yeah, good. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm also take the last caller. Yes, we'll take okay. now our last okay. caller. Okay. Last, this is a Miss um uh, what is it? Uh one second. Miss R. Miss R, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yeah, hi. Yes, welcome. Um, I, have a pro- I have a question. Go ahead. Um, I'm in therapy, and uh, there's a lot of things that I wish to tell my therapist, but then I get there, and my mind just goes blank. I become, like, frozen. Yep. I'm in therapy every week. Happens to be I'm on break now for three, four weeks. The therapist was off for two weeks, and I took a two-week break, so I'm four weeks off of therapy. But, yes. I've experienced that many times. I saw this show. Is this a therapist, your therapist? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a therapy for two years already, and it happened like it's been going on like this for six months. Oh. And basically, I'm quiet the whole time, and then when I leave... Like, Wait, I'm you're quiet in. an entire session of 45 minutes? Pretty much. My therapist, she's trying. She's asking Wait, for so let me let me just ask again. I just need to hear this. It's six months... And you're quiet the entire time. And what happens? So, for an example, let's just play a little role play because I'm a therapist. So, if I'm there, say, okay, I see you're very quiet today because I've got two clients I could think of in our on our caseload that really cannot speak. They come in and they freeze up. They tell us, "I was able to speak, now I can't speak." And I'll, let's just let's just role play. So, what we do is, okay, you can't speak because there are some personal things that are bothering you. What would you respond to that if we would start taking the lead? Is there something that happened during the week that you have a hard time sharing? Could you think of it? Could you shake your head yes or no? We help guide you to get you to speak. Would that help you speak if your therapist would do that? So she does. She asks me, like, if there's something I want to say and I'm having a hard time. Great. And then what happens? How do you react to that? I tell her no, but... No, no, no. If it's not a no, you're coming every week. There's a reason why you're showing up. So, okay, watch no, this. I want to do this on you, okay? And I want you to be as difficult as you are, okay? And I don't want to call you difficult, just be that way. And don't share personal information, but watch this. Hi, I see you've come to the session today. What would you like to talk about? I have nothing, nothing comes to my mind. You can ask me whatever you want. Okay, great. So let me go ahead and ask. Did you have one bump throughout the week? Yeah. Okay, can you share with me what the bump was? I'll tell her something that doesn't really bother me. Great. So now I'll tell the therapist. Wonderful. So I'm the therapist going, we've discussed this. It doesn't sound like it has much emotional charge to it. From a 1 to a 10, it sounds like a 2. Give me a difficulty this week that was an 8, 9, 10. What would you say to that? Maybe I have something, but I don't feel comfortable saying it. Beautiful. Great. Now we start going, what can I do to make you comfortable to say it? Are you afraid that I'm going to judge you? That I'll look down at you if you share that? Mm-mm. No. So what would you say is making it uncomfortable? Are you afraid that maybe no one has ever done that? No. What? What are you asking? You tell me. What, 
why, why, why are you feeling uncomfortable? What would happen if you tell me what happened? If will I look down at you? Do you think I'll judge you? Do you think I've never heard that before? Do you think you're the only person? No. I don't know. I gave many options. No, what? I I don't feel comfortable. Like when I'm not in the session, like I have like conversations like with my therapist, like not real. I'm just imagining, like I'm telling it to her. Oh, so you have a lot of conversations in your mind. Yeah. No. 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 Sometimes I like there are things that I wish I can tell my therapist. Like, Great. Let's stop right here. Can you write down on a paper right now three things that you wish you can tell your therapist? Do you have a pen and paper right next to you? Yeah. Yeah? Tell me when you wrote them down. And just because we're now doing a live program, just write down, just know what they are. You don't have to write down the whole sentence. Just like, let's say, one, parents, two, brothers and sisters, three, school, or camp, or friends. Tell me when you just wrote one, two, and three. It's just it's really one thing. It's really one thing. Great. So that one secret. What would it take for you to tell your therapist that one secret? The saying in English I like to use is you've got to rip off that Band-Aid. Sometime you've got to do that. If I was a therapist, I would tell you, write it down, rip it off, tell it to me. We'd give you maybe three sessions and then tell you, go ahead. You've got to do it. Or we can't help you. Sometimes I, like, before I go, I, um, I like, tell myself that I'm going to tell her, and then... Like, by the way, I'm just going to speak as a therapist, and I don't want you to say yes or no, because I don't know what's going on by you. Number one, I generally hear there's a there might be an issue with family. Number two, it might be a trauma that you went through. And therefore, even if you have a healthy family, you're still afraid to share that. And number three, it's part of our job as a therapist, depending the type of therapist, to push you to get it. So what do you think it would need for your therapist to get you? If the therapist would push you and sort of get you to the corner, would you open up and would you appreciate it? Well, she's trying to and I'm just quiet and I can't even make eye contact. Okay, now let me ask you a question. What would it take for you to send a text to your therapist, write it down, send, write down this one issue and send it to her and give it to her? Maybe I can try that. Great. Can you do that actually right now? Write it out. Put it in an envelope. And the reason why I want you to send it to her is because you... No, or, or what's, the, what's the level, the chance of 1 to 10 that you would actually write on a paper and give it to her when you walk in? Mm-mm. How about a text? A 10 that you will do it? Sorry? A 10 that you will do it? It's an 8. An 8. Great. So let me ask you one other question. Do you do better with writing instead of talking? Yeah. Good. So I had a client, a teenage boy, going back a couple of years, 12 years old. I shouldn't say he's not a teenage. He would only talk by typing. He's gone to several. He had selective mute, means he wasn't able to talk to therapists and to a certain place. I don't want to go. I don't want to give away the information. But he was able to write. So I said, great. We did sessions. We probably did five sessions of him typing, like, so I got a second keyboard, and we moved the screen next to the... And we did sessions through that, and it was amazing. After about the fifth or sixth session, he was able to start talking. So how about you come and you write away your write? How about part of what you do at the beginning of the paper is you write, Dear therapist, I do best by writing. 
can we do a session by writing? The therapist will probably say, wow, I'm thrilled. No, I'm definitely better. Great. So write. And not only that, I would even ask you to write everyday journal what happened and give it to your therapist every day. They would love to read what's going on. We've got several clients in our center that they send text messages to the therapist. Not to their text. We have like a a Google number because we want the therapist's private cell phone, all that. But where they can send messages. Well, she did encourage me to do that, but... Okay. So you learn a new techniques. That's right. And Look I, how brave. You I, called I would, up. I would say that really, you're really brave and uh, something that you ro- want to help yourself. It seems like you really can. And uh, Ramon Haj give you a tool, and another tool to express yourself and to open yourself to the therapist. And you feel that if you feel after three, four weeks that you have with them and you don't not achieve nothing, so maybe it's time to change a therapist. And I'll also tell you, how about you call us up next week, please, with feedback. I'd love to hear your feedback. What's the chances you'll call back next week? Are you going to see the therapist throughout the next, throughout this week? Yeah, this week, yeah. Yes? Great. Can you call us up next week and say, wow, I did it, mazel tov, and I will give you a standing ovation. I will clap like this. And we're both clapping and say, we're so proud of you. You could do it. You said it's an eight. From a one to a ten, an eight? Great. Do it. So what I'll I would ask you it, to... I'll write it, What? I'll write it, not say it. Of course. I don't want you to say it. Write it. Write it. Write it. Just write. In fact, what I'd also have you write is, I would do several... If I was your therapist, I would just do several sessions in writing. Just going, what else didn't you tell me? What else would you like to clarify what you said, but you didn't put enough words to it? And now you can write it out. And don't worry about that tick-tock of the time passing by. Don't worry about that because you'll accomplish more in that, let's say, doing the therapy between you writing and the therapist writing of that, let's say, it's a half hour of time because it was 15 minutes that was slower cause of writing than talking. But look how much you would accomplish. All right? Okay. I am very, very brave of you. I want you to realize you're saying you have a difficulty with communication and you're very clear. So it's just one difficult or one painful part that you have, but you're really so good. Thank you. Yes. So realize that. Just write, continue growing into everyone in therapy. If you're going and it's not moving, try different tools, different stuff. There's help out there. There are ways to do it. I've listened. Great. Thank you. First of all, amazing. She's really brave and she wants to help herself. And this is something that's the most important. She's aware about something wrong between the relationship between herself and and the therapist. And you gave her a great tool. Great tool. And I hopefully, and I believe so, that she will do great. And next week we will hear from her. With a good smile. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we are basically wrapping up. Thank you, Amodechai. And thank you for coming here. Thank you for the book. Go just, we're going to learn this book. And Be'ezot Hashem, we're just mastering. Thank you.